you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 19. We're in this series called Jesus Tweets, where we are talking about some short statements of Jesus that can have major impact on our lives and the way we live, if we'll follow them, if we'll understand what Jesus is talking about. And as we begin today, I want to talk to you about two things that are very difficult for people to resist the temptations that come along with them. Two things that in life in general, people have a hard time when these temptations come into their lives of resisting and not moving down a path that can really do you harm. Those two things are this. Money and power. Here, I want to prove it to you, all right? I'm going to give you a choice, and you tell me which one you want. Would you rather have money or no money? What do you want? Money, all right? Let me ask you this, all right? And, and recognize that some of you, I know you, and so how you answer this question, I already know how you should, all right? Which would you prefer? Power and control or no power and no control? What do you want? Now, you want power and control. You're like, I don't want to say that out loud, but that's what you want, all right? And so when those things come, those temptations come, people have a hard time not only dealing with them, if money comes into your life, or if a position of power or control comes into your life, not only do you have a hard time dealing with them, but you also have a hard time dealing with the consequences that come with them or the past that you're led down with them. You could look for example after example in our modern society of people who had money and or power deposited to them and it ruined their lives. Every generation has people that attempt to get money and power and will use whatever means necessary to get there. What do you think of uh, when you hear the name Bernie Madoff? Some of you, not a thing. I don't know who that is. How many of you know who Bernie Madoff is? All right. Who is he? Ponzi scheme guy. Right now, what is, we have to define things. What's a Ponzi scheme? Well, Ponzi scheme is when you ask, say to a people, I'm starting an investment company and Johnny Decker, I need some money from you. And I can give you an investment rate right now at savings. You can get 5%. Well, you can't get that. You can get 1.5%. So I'm going to give you 10% return on your money in a year. Johnny says, guaranteed, I'm going to give a guarantee. Johnny says, great, here's my, because Johnny, you know, here's my $300,000, because you got that laying around somewhere, right, John? Right. Okay, all right, everybody's going to see Johnny afterwards, all right? And so Johnny gives me $300,000, I promised him a 10% return in a year, that is $30,000. Y'all didn't realize math was going to be involved today, all right? And so I don't actually invest the money. What I do is I say, I've got to get other people to pay what I owe Johnny. So I go to Penny Baga and I say, Penny, I've got a great investment opportunity for you. If you'll give me money in a year, I'll give you a 10% return. All I need is $30,000 from you. I get $30,000 from her and I take it and I pay Johnny, actually what I'm going to tell you is I need 50 because I need 20 for myself, all right? That's how it works. And as you do that, you, pay, you the old expression is rob Peter to pay Paul. That talks about debt sometimes. But you begin to get all these things. And this Bernie Madoff guy did it for like 40 
years. Got government access and all of that. And when it crashed down, it was the largest financial Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. Now, it's similar in ways to a pyramid scheme where you recruit people. Hey, if you'll join for 5000 when you join, when you get somebody to join, they pay you. You get a percentage of that and a percentage comes to me. And you just keep people moving up the pyramid. And in our country, those kind of things are sketchy at best, illegal sometimes. And what happens is the idea is that you're cheating people out of money to advance your wealth and to advance your power. You think, why are we talking about Bernie Madoff and Ponzi schemes? Because... We're going to talk about a guy today that was at the top of the Ponzi scheme of the Roman government and collecting taxes. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was just passing through. He's just on his way through town. He's not intending by what we can tell to stop. He just is. He's on his way. Does anybody know where he's on his way to, by the way? Jerusalem's usually a good answer, right? He's on his way to Jerusalem because the end of his life is coming. He's, he's about to go into the final week of his life and he's just passing through Jericho. And while he's passing through Jericho, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. We're going to leave it there for just a minute because I've highlighted two words here to show you that he had those two things that we talked about that people have a hard time resisting what comes with it. He had both power, right, and wealth. He was a guy that, that, and many of you may know this, but in their day and time, the way that they collected taxes is the Roman government would just say to local people, who Zacchaeus was the chief of the local people, here's what we need. What we need is we need this amount of money from every citizen of your place. Whatever you get on top of that is yours to keep. And so Zacchaeus would have been the guy that would have gone or he would have sent people to go to the houses and say, we need this much money. And it was a well-known fact that the people of that day that were tax collectors took advantage of people all the time. And so if they needed $500, they told them they needed seven. And the extra 200 went to Zacchaeus. Now, the truth is, if he's the chief tax collector, he probably got a little bit out of everybody that paid anything in that province, which meant he was doing all right for himself. Power. Wealth. Now, nobody liked him. In fact, if Jericho had a top ten most hated people, Zacchaeus would have been near the top. Now, now we from our perspective, don't think of Zacchaeus in that way. Now, why not? What do you know about Zacchaeus? We'll get there in a minute. But what do you know about Zacchaeus? He's a wee little man, right? And you're singing that song that a lot of us learned in Sunday school. Zacchaeus. And a wee little man. There you go. You're singing that. It's hard to feel mad at Zacchaeus, right? It's a cute little song. But here's the truth. If you were a guy that went into debtor's prison because you couldn't pay the tax levied against you by Zacchaeus, you know how you feel about Zacchaeus? He is not the wee little man that is lovable on the flannel graphs of church. He was hated. And here's the honest truth about it. His heart was wicked. He was an unscrupulous businessman 
who had made a conscious decision to betray his own people in such a way that he was made head of an organization that went directly to Caesar in order to gain wealth and power. So forget all this little wee little man stuff. Now we'll talk about that in a minute, but he was hated. Verse 3. And in spite of all of that, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, let's talk about the short thing for just a minute, all right? Just to give you an idea, the, the average Jewish male of this time, the average would have been about five foot one. All right? How many of you here are taller than five foot one? Okay, that's most of us, all right? So if this man, Zacchaeus, was short for their culture, we're talking in the four and a half foot range. You know who's four and a half foot in my family? Luke. Now, Luke's a tall seven-year-old, but that's four and a half feet. He's exactly that. Eli's well past that. He's five, three now. So this, he's taller, Eli's taller than the average Jewish male of this time. So when we say he was short, he was short. Now, it may be hard for some of you to remember, but any of you remember being a kid and being in a crowd and you just couldn't see? Remember that? Last weekend, that's good enough. He was short, he couldn't see. But here's what I want to focus on, because when we do that, when we just focus on this verse, on the fact that he was short, we miss one of the most amazing statements in the whole thing. And it's there highlighted. This man who had power and wealth, who had sold out his countrymen, who had done all he could to gain a position of chief tax collector in Jericho, is a man that still wanted to see Jesus. In fact, it tells us in verse 4 the links that he went to to see him. It says that he did two things that respectable men of their society never did. First of all, he ran ahead. And climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming. I do not like to run. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord this morning? Some of you are like, oh, I love to run. I don't want to talk to you. All right. I told him this morning, sometimes when I'm driving the boys to school, Steve Scott will be running and he'll wave at me and pass. And I really should feel guilty. I don't because I don't like to do that. All right? And in general, <laughs> I run only for a couple of reasons. One is because I get guilted in the fact that I need to for my health. Or secondly, I see something like a snake that I'm trying to get away from. That's it. In their society, men didn't run. It was a sign of disgrace. In fact, one of the most striking images in the parable of the prodigal son is that image when the father sees the son a long way off and he pulls up the bottom of his robe and he runs. He didn't care what people thought. Zacchaeus is the same way. It would be today. Now, you realize they didn't wear business suits back then. But imagine being in downtown Nashville and there's a parade going by. And all of a sudden you see a man in a full suit sprinting down the sidewalk. Zacchaeus has got to get ahead. 
And he gets there, he thinks, oh, I can't see, so I've got to find a place to see from. And so he climbs. A sycamore fig tree is a, is, a, is a wide tree. It would have had branches that would have branched out. And so imagine that same man in a full business suit, sprinting down, getting to a tree, and climbing a tree. And hanging on a branch. Waiting for Jesus to come by. Here's what I want us to, to realize from this. What Zacchaeus shows us is that inside of every one of us, there is an insatiable desire for more that can only be filled by the person of Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus had the wealth and he had the power and he had made it successful in his business. He had climbed the corporate ladder. He had made it to the place that when he set out, he intended to do. He had money, he had power, he had security, he had it all. And yet there was something inside of him that was craving more. Scripture says that God has set eternity in the hearts of every person. What Zacchaeus reminds us is that when you try to fill that with things outside of God, you are going to come up empty all the time. In fact, every day people are trying to fill this hole in their life with all kinds of stuff. Sometimes it's just themselves. I'll just do better. I'll get better. I'll have better this. I'll, I'll make better decisions. I'll make better financial decisions. I'll exercise more. I won't do that anymore. I won't say that anymore. I won't be in that relationship anymore. I won't make that bad decision anymore. And we try and we try and we try and we sit across for the mirror and we're disappointed because we can't ever do enough. Sometimes we look forward to other people and we try to fill that with relationships and having them satisfy the needs of our soul. And we find out real quickly that people disappoint us and they, they make good friends. They make good spouses. They make good families. But people make terrible gods. When we try to use them to fill that hole that Jesus has left inside of us, it doesn't work. So people go to the world. And they look forward in success and career and sometimes in the highs that come from substances. And living not in relationship with a man or a woman, but just going from one to another to another to another. And you try to fill that void that's there it's insatiable because it can only be filled by christ some people fill it with religion and we're going to see in a minute religion doesn't fill it either so you go to church and you do the right things and you say the right prayers and you check off the right boxes but there's still that hunger there's still that desire there's that something that's missing zacchaeus reminds us of the desire for Christ and the gospel that He brings. No matter how successful we are or even how wicked we are. I was talking to Jeff a little earlier today. And he was talking about being in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, um, the number of churches that are out there compared to the number of people is just staggering. I mean, the number he told me this morning is in Los Angeles County, there are 10 million people. Tennessee has six. And in one county, there's 10 million. And in that 10 million, there's a church, I think, for every 25,000 people. And the average church there runs much less than 200. 
And here's what I know. If you talk to people on the street, they may not describe it this way. They may not tell you this. But every single person in Los Angeles, California, has a desire and a need and a want that can only be filled by the person of Jesus Christ. We look on the news sometimes, we see this world just headed off a cliff, it seems. And news after news after news just reminds us of how far we have moved from God's intention. And as I watch the news now, I pray that the Lord would remind me, no, much ha- no matter how much I disagree with what's being said or what's happening or what's being passed or what's being said on TV or the debate that's going on or the way the debate is being shaped, to remind me that each and every person I see on the news at night is a person in desperate need of the gospel. The only thing that can fill that hole in their lives. Zacchaeus had the power and the wealth. And he runs ahead and he climbs a tree because he has to see Jesus. Do you sense the desperation there? I pray that the Lord would put me in places where the desperation of people to see Jesus would lead me to share the good news with them. Look at verse 5. When Jesus gets to the spot, He looks up to Him and He calls Him by name. Now, I don't know how He knew His name. I don't know if it was divine knowledge God gave Him in that moment. I don't know if Matthew, who was a tax collector, said, Hey, Jesus, that's like a big dog around here. I don't know if the crowd was like, would you see who's in the tree? Zacchaeus is in the tree. Can you believe, what is he doing? I don't know if name came about there. I don't know if one of the disciples whispered it to him. Hey, Jesus, that's Zacchaeus. I don't know how he knows his name. Here's what I know is important. He didn't look at him and call him sinner or tax collector or reprobate or the one that came away that was far away from God. He didn't call him names. He didn't scream at him. He just simply, lovingly, graciously says, Zacchaeus. And then he says, come down immediately. Like, get out of the tree now. Because I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus said, I'm sorry, I don't have it picked up yet. I didn't didn't have time to get the dishes all done. Is that what he says? No, you can make two choices and Jesus makes that kind of offer. And we see them both in the next verse. So he came down, I love this, at once and welcomed him gladly. So he comes. Now, here's what I know from Scripture. Here's what I know from that background. When he got down and he went to his house, they had a partay at Zacchaeus' house. I know that. Everything in Scripture tells us that. And here's what happens. When God shows up and begins to do a new, exciting work, religious people get upset. Right? I mean, I've been around pastoring now. I'm in my 13th year of pastoring. And here's what I've discovered. When God begins to move in a church, religious people get upset. And the religious people here get upset. The people saw this and they began to mutter. Don't you like that word, mutter? No, I don't either. All right? It's the same word, by the way, that they used in the Old Testament when the Israelite people were wandering around the wilderness and it said they began to grumble. They began to mutter and say, hey, did you see what Jesus did? He went to Zacchaeus' home. It's the home of a sinner. What's he doing? 
I can't believe that. I mean, we're here. We have been with him this whole time. He doesn't invite us to supper. He doesn't ask us to go eat lunch with him. He goes to the house of a sinner. I just don't think that is proper. I don't think you should be doing that. I don't think the church should operate that way. I don't think he should be interacting with those kind of people. I mean, he's got people around here. He has not even said hi to this person today. He needs to go talk to them before he starts setting off and talking to other people. You know what you call it when you begin to mutter about things or about people when those people aren't there? You know what you call that? Gossip. Aren't you glad we're done with that? That's not an issue anymore. Churches don't ever gossip, right? We don't gossip. We have prayer requests. So I just, I got a prayer request today I need you to think about. I don't, I don't know if y'all know this, but so-and-so really is having a hard time. In fact, they've done some things they really shouldn't do. We really just need to pray for them. So you're lucky. You, some of you got to go to Sunday school and have prayer requests before I did this message. The first crew was like, we didn't have prayer request time today because we've talked about this. Jesus is there and he invites Zacchaeus to his home to talk to him about this longing that's in his heart that only he can satisfy. And all the people around can think about is, what is he doing? Now, now let's be fair to those people. Several of them had been cheated by Zacchaeus. Several of them had been hurt by Zacchaeus. And some of them are thinking, I know this Jesus. I've seen this movie. I know what happens. He's going to go in there and say, everything's okay. Zacchaeus is a new man. He's going to follow me now. Yay, let's all clap for him. And all I'm thinking is, where's my money? So I love who answers this complaint in Scripture. Verse 8. Who answers it? Who answers it? Zacchaeus does. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, he doesn't say this to the crowd. He's not showboating. He's not trying to get people to understand. He says it to the Lord. And I want you to understand when he says the next phrase, look, Lord, when he says that, that's a huge thing. Because to be the chief tax collector of a place, you had to pronounce the phrase Caesar is Lord. Basically, that there is no other higher than Caesar. And so by Zacchaeus saying here, look, Lord, what he is saying is my allegiance is no longer with Caesar. I no longer recognize him as Lord. But from this day forward, forth, I say that only Jesus is Lord. And I am acknowledging that here and now. Then he says, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Now, I know we read that and we're like, good for Zacchaeus. I'm awfully proud of him. That's a lot, right? Right? Anybody here want to volunteer for that service today? Half of everything you own, I'm going to give away just free to whoever. If y'all would like to, we'll have another offering. We'll come down. You know, That's a lot. I mean, in Jewish society, it was considered to go above and beyond if you gave 15 to 20 percent. He says, I'm giving it half. And then he says, and if I've cheated. Now, I love that because in the original language, the word there doesn't mean... If by chance or there might be an opportunity that I have offended somebody. You ever seen one of these people on TV give an apology and they say, I would just like to say if I have offended anybody. Well, here's the truth. You're not apologizing if you haven't offended somebody. Right? He has cheated people out. He says, if I've cheated anybody, I will pay back. Four times the amount. Is that a good deal? 
Yeah, that's like somebody borrowing your Hyundai for a couple of years, forgetting to bring it back, calling you up and saying, hey, man, I'm sorry. I had your Hyundai for two years. I, I, I could I, I should have brought it back to you. But instead, I just left a BMW in your driveway. Right. Y'all not acting like that's a good deal. That's that's a good deal. All right? If you, if not, you got a BMW or leave it mine. That'd be all right. Jesus says this in verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. I want you to know something real quickly, okay? And then we're going to finish up here in a second. He didn't have salvation because he gave or he did anything. He had salvation, it says, because he's a son of Abraham. In Scripture it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him into righteousness. So he is saved because he believed in Jesus. It's not because he gave stuff away. But let me tell you this, that when you believe in Jesus and he changes your heart and your life, you're going to give stuff away because you're going to be so affected by what he's done. It's going to naturally flow out of who you are. So he's not saved because he gave money to the poor and he's paying back what happened. But it shows that he's been saved because he's paying back what he's happened and he's given money to the poor. And then Jesus says that his mission is to come to seek and to save the lost. And here's what I want us to get out of this today. Two simple things. First of all, there are some of you in this room. That have never placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you have searched all over for anything that will fill that void in your life. That is only going to be filled by Jesus. You've searched in religion. You've searched in other people. You've searched in yourself. You've searched in the world. You have looked in all the wrong places. When the only thing that will fill that void is Jesus. And this morning, what you need to do is you don't need to do anything until you come to a place that you accept that Jesus Christ has died for your sins and wants to forgive you and wants to fill the emptiness that is inside of you. The God-shaped void inside of you. And today could be the day that you begin the journey with Him. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, that have made that commitment, and are walking along this path. The truth is that there are times in our lives when we need to ask ourselves some hard questions about what it means to truly follow Him. You know what's interesting about this passage is, just a few chapters before this, Jesus says that for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God is as easy as a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The point was that it can't be done. The point was that only Jesus can do that. And in the life of Zacchaeus, Jesus completely changed him and he began to walk in a new way. In fact, this is kind of a cool afterthought for Zacchaeus. Uh, you ever wondered what happened to him? There's church history that shows that Zacchaeus eventually became a pastor of a church appointed directly by Peter. So in this moment, he was changed for good. And for some of you in this room, you, you've follow Jesus and you've had that change, but there are things in your life you still need to repent of, to take care of, to pay back. Things that you've neglected, people that you've hurt, times when you've gossiped, times when you've walked away from a friend or allowed sin to fester in your life. And you need to 
Repent. Pray that God would give you wisdom on how to make that right. So this morning, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of response. And I'll be standing down front and I'd love to see you here. Maybe you just need to come and pray that the Lord will give you wisdom as you move forward. Maybe you need to begin a journey of following Him. To fill that hole with the only thing that can fill it. I'm just going to ask you to do whatever God leads you to do. Let's pray together.